0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: And what might be the uh, low point so far of this whole quarantine? I am currently drinking um, a non-alcoholic Radler, which I think is actually literally just lemonade. So I'm having a, a tall can of lemonade right now.
0: How do you wind up with that?
1: Uh, Perfectly good excuse. Mel had a friend who uh, has a friend who was pregnant and was super into beer. And so she wanted to be a good friend and like find like non alcoholic drinks for her that would be safe for her to have. Um, And then just through random happenstance, wasn't able to like go out and visit her for like the rest of her pregnancy. And so we had packs of. Like, a few packs of different al- non-alcoholic drinks sitting in our basement. And we were currently, like, moving stuff around down there. And I grabbed them. Like, I'm tired of looking at these. We're drinking them. It's not bad because it's it, it's just juice. But um,
0: Desperate times.
1: Yeah. Can't shake the fact that uh, it would be nicer if it had alcohol in it.
2: You have a keg in your basement. You have options. Nobody feels
1: bad for you. So, the latest update in the keg saga took all that time to get the co2 tank refilled it was great we've been enjoying it <clears throat> yeah, the uh, keg's empty
2: that's impressive
0: <laughs> excellent
1: <laughs> thank you uh we don't we can't remember how much we drank before the co2 ran out i don't know maybe we should be concerned anyway we, we've already emailed the company to see if they'll do a a pickup drop off of a new keg <laughs> Fingers crossed. We told them we'd pay extra. Support your local brewery. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan Hanna but today I'm listed as Rowan. I'm in danger.
0: Oh, that's what you're going with? I'm Kim jong <laughs> That's Jung. all I'm going with. <laughs> I'm Kim jong Uno,
1: And uh, Danger's name on here, Brad's name on here is Kim Jong-un Surgeon. I feel like our no politics rule doesn't apply to this one cause no, who because who really knows?
2: Yeah, because if I don't think we have a listener who's probably pro North Korea, so I think we can play the odds on this one. Oh wow,
1: you just you just gave Rowan a ton of material, didn't you?
2: Oh, I I know. I I will bet money his next Patreon name will be uh Supreme Leader Kim Jong
1: Un's sister that's what or something it, like that. Oh, uh, I was gonna say that's what it was last uh, last episode. <laughs> yeah, but that was oh, a, that was man. a reference to Evan. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Evan, the billionaire. Um, on this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, there continues to be though these like sporadic hot topics regarding uh, the NHL draft, the draft lottery, um, how that might change. Um, and then we are, of course, going to continue our draft prospect profiles with a pretty significant one this week that might be extremely relevant to Detroit uh, before thinking of any quick hits off the top of our head and then heading into over time, so I am gonna do the stereotypical this might be a short episode and then we reach like an hour and thirty. Brad, what movie are they watching upstairs? Movie? I'll, it's just screaming.
0: I was gonna say it sounds like the crying baby movie.
2: Yeah, there is there is no no movie happening upstairs. It is
1: just unpleasantness all around. Uh wow. I uh I don't have that. I don't know. Hey, me neither no what yeah that's crazy evan that you don't have that and i don't my, have that
0: my cat does scream if the door is closed though so we have yeah. to live with an open door policy
1: Cat's is screaming fine. is is objectively hilarious
0: it's the most ridiculous noise i've ever heard <laughs> from an animal
1: the uh what my director at work like occasionally in the background you can hear like what sounds like faint cooing and i'll be like hey is that your cat he's like yeah locked him out he's kind of screaming at me because they don't like they don't deal well with the fact that you're home all the time right now right
0: no it's a big transition from their routine of sleeping yeah so now there's a lot more noise they can't sleep as much then they demand attention from you and then just yell at all hours of the day
2: i I can assure you that's not a problem with the pets over at this house they could sleep through world war three
1: Well, you guys. um, So Ollie has already lived past his lifespan. So twenty years from now, when Ollie dies, will you guys get another dog or a cat, or are you just good to?
2: No, not until the kids are old enough to take care of them themselves. Because two kids is enough work. Two dogs is enough work. Having all four? Yeah, I'm. I'm not doing this again for a while. My, My where I am lucky is that Demon and Ollie are old trained and now at this point in their life pretty low maintenance other than ollie gets sick a little more than he should because he's you know an idiot needs things he shouldn't um but yeah they're pretty low maintenance at this point but i i sure as hell am not getting another dog until these kids are in their teens
1: um hank tanks takes care of ollie though we saw that from the video Last oh week. yeah,
2: he did it again today. I That video that we had of um, Hank jumping on Ollie, I was not in the room when Ollie ended up there. So I don't know what came first. It was the chicken or the egg thing. I don't know if Ollie laid down and then we put Hank in and he just refused to move or Hank was in there. Today I saw the origins. Uh, Ollie just walks up as he's bouncing and just kind of settles <sighs> in. So he know
1: he knows what he's getting into. So nobody ever
2: needs to feel bad for that dog. Yeah,
1: don't kink shame, Brad. That's what he's into. Oh God. Uh, okay, so um, there's a million different stories at all time about what the NHL draft lottery is going to look like um, and the NHL draft itself. Um, for a long time, we've been assuming that uh, because the draft has been postponed or at least moved from its original date in Montreal, rest in peace, the first ever Winged Wheel podcast draft trip. Um <clears throat> we thought that it would be moved later but over the past couple of weeks the discussion of an early or uh late june draft have been coming up more and more so more or less the same timeline or even sooner than what the original draft would have uh when that original draft would have taken place the big piece of news that came out between last episode and now is that um and this is from bob mckenzie um there's been talks of an early not late june draft And using the old draft lottery rules. And the notable part about the old draft lottery rules, for those of uh, you who might not remember, only one team wins the draft lottery. And the even better part, if you are a fan of the Red Wings or another team in the top three or four, is that you can only move up four spots. So you can see where this is leading. Detroit is guaranteed a top two pick under these rules, and their chances of drafting first overall are immensely increased. Yes, please. Yeah, needless to say, I don't think we'd be complaining if this
2: happens. Um, For some context, in case anybody's wondering why uh, this would be the format, is because they're talking about moving up the draft and doing it before the playoffs, we won't have final standings and then also because they're talking about doing an expanded playoffs where north of 16 teams get in under the current draft lottery rules there could in theory uh, be a reality where a team wins the draft lottery and then the Stanley Cup which needless to say would piss off everybody who's not that team Um, so which is why they're going to this system because let's say I'll pick a team that's outside of the playoffs, but might get in in an expanded one. Um, Florida, they get hot win the Stanley cup, but because they were outside of the original 16 under the current lottery format, they could also win the draft lottery. So, um, they're doing this to prevent a team like the Panthers from winning the Stanley cup and then getting Alexi Lafreniere. um, why this is uber beneficial to the Red Wings, other than just not being able to pick any lower than second, as Ryan mentioned, can't move up more than four spots. So if the Florida Panthers, who I don't know off the top of my head, let's say are 18th overall in the NHL right now, so they would pick 13th hypothetically. If they won the draft lottery, they would pick ninth. They would move up four spots. So basically, as long as uh, seeds two, three, four or five, do not win the draft lottery, the Red Wings pick first overall. So the Red Wings could win the draft lottery and nothing changes in the standings. Team number six could win the draft lottery and bump up to second, and the Red Wings still pick first. So there's only four teams that could step in and take the first overall pick from Detroit. Now, that being said, those are going to be four teams with pretty high odds in this lottery format. So I, I don't know the exact odds off the top of my head but i have to assume that the odds of detroit picking first overall in this format are greater than 50 percent, which means somehow they'll pick sixth (laughs) but yeah so that that's kind of what they're tossing around right now and why they're tossing it around
1: yeah and um uh, uh, without getting to the specific numbers i did some math and it just really depends on how they distribute the percentages because it won't be the same percentages because there's a different amount of teams in the league right now than there were the last time they had this uh format and there's no guarantee that they'd even go with those percentages they might um alter them so um but yeah roughly 50 percent like 48 to 57 is the through different like hypothetical um odds balancing is what i came up with so that's where detroit's sitting at and if you want to know why then think about it this way Here's situations where under the current reverse order of standings, Detroit gets first overall. And and the reverse order of standings right now is um, from one through 15 is Detroit, Ottawa, Ottawa, LA, Anaheim, New Jersey. This is for draft lottery. So Ottawa was twice because of San Jose, um, Buffalo, Montreal, Chicago, New Jersey through Arizona, uh, Minnesota, Winnipeg, New York, Rangers, Florida and Columbus. Um, Detroit wins first overall if their ball gets pulled or if literally any other team besides Ottawa, Ottawa through San Jose, um LA and Anaheim get picked or get selected. So there are 11 different opportunities where Detroit retains first overall here. I like those odds. And
2: even if they don't win, 12th, I'm sorry. still ha- I'm still happy Because picking second is better than picking fourth.
1: Uh, I said 11, or I said 12, but it is 11. No, yeah. Second is, you want Lafreniere. You want Lafreniere no matter what. Like We've been over this. I think the three of us agree, and we are going to talk to uh, people who do differ on this opinion, so the discussion's not dead, but in general, you want Lafreniere. There is a big gap between Lafreniere and whoever comes next, but... The control over whoever comes next after Lafreniere and fourth is, I think, just as significant. Would you say it's bigger, that gap?
2: Uh, Lafreniere to number two and number two to number four? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a much bigger gap from Lafreniere to number two. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, well yeah. I was trying to get ambitious here. No, um, no. I uh, Lafreniere's in his own reality.
1: But still, it it is insanely valuable. And if you're Detroit who loses out on Alexi Lafreniere and now you want like a bonafide number one center, bam, no one's in your way to take uh, Quinton Byfield. Or if you're Steve Eisenman, who is absolutely loving what's coming out of Germany right now and you really do believe that Tim Stutzle will be a centerman in the NHL and you want his pace and you want to hit that connection with your new number one defenseman, bam, nobody's in the way of you taking Tim Stutzle. It's right there for you. Or if you're you're uh Chris Draper and you want to throw the Winged Wheel podcast hopes hosts for a loop and you take you want to take Jamie Drysdale second overall, bam, no one's in your way to take Jamie Drysdale second overall. The chaos will be supreme, but still that kind of control is at that point, it do, it would soften the blow. Like it, it absolutely would soften the blow and it would give Red Wings fans way less to complain about because if you lose it when you had 50 50 odds, like man, what are you supposed to do there?
0: Yes, correct.
1: Yeah, thanks, Brad.
2: <laughs> I mean, the the next segue, I guess, would be to talk about said potential prospect at second overall. Is that what we want to do right now? I, I think it's the natural transition because uh, we've done we've talked about Lafreniere at length, and even if the Red Wings have like a ninety percent chance to retain first overall, um, we know they'll pick second. Um, I, I've, I've just resigned myself to the fact that no matter what happens, the Red Wings are not going to pick first overall. And if they even do go to a system where it's just reverse standings, Detroit will trade the pick. I've, I've resigned myself to the fact because I can't physically handle the anxiety otherwise. Um, but yeah, cause to some people there's no debate at second overall to a lot of people, there is a heavy debate at second overall. So this could be a fascinating topic until we know for sure what format they're going to use for the draft lottery.
1: And and just before this gets too deeply ingrained, none of this is confirmed. Nothing nope. is confirmed in the world right now, but this is especially not confirmed. Um, it's just exciting because this is the first iteration of this kind of chatter that we've heard. And it does, as Brad explained, cover some. Uh, Bases in terms of trying to even things out because it's hard right now with the, an exp- uh, a p- proposed expanded playoff system to even out those that fairness. So, yeah, um, th-
2: this is all under the assumption too that the NHL is dead set on doing the draft before the playoffs. If they decide that the best course of action is to hold the playoffs in the summer and then do the draft in September or October, this whole conversations move then it would just be the old draft lottery system nothing would change i would assume yeah. because there'd be no reason to change it at that point exactly yeah and uh, the funny thing about the timing of this conversation is a couple a few weeks ago we realized we were going to have a lot of episodes during this quarantine um before the draft so that we would need to get a head start on prospect profiles and we were sitting there Every day of every episode, uh, who do we want to cover tonight and try to pick a name out of like 60 names to just arbitrarily cover that night. So I took like a list of 60 or 70 prospects and randomized it and just said, okay, here's the order. This is how we're going to cover them. And it just so happened this episode landed on Quentin Byfield. (laughs) No, no planning, nothing to do with the draft lottery chatter. We've known since Wednesday Before this news came out, this was going to be the Quentin Byfield episode.
1: Thank you, podcast gods.
2: Yes, sometimes, sometimes the universe just says, all right, guys,
1: here's a layup for you. All right, Quentin Byfield is this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast's uh, NHL prospect profile. Uh, Who wants to kick us off here?
2: Uh, I will, because I just finished, well, I finished writing my prospect article like four days ago but it
1: should be going up soon ryan mm-hmm. sorry it's really hard reading your writing it wasn't I, n- I asked you not to write in crayon but here okay we
2: listen man i use bright <laughs> colors you could read it in the dark
1: anyways um so by field
2: uh probably if you 80 to 90 percent of the people you talk to outside of red wings fans have by field as the number two overall pick Uh, If you talk to Red Wings fans, it's about 50-50 because we've got that German fever these days. Um, But ignoring the two-versus-three debate, what Quinton Byfield is, is probably the most physically gifted prospect in this draft, Um, just because of his size and skill set. Now, he doesn't think the game or process the game like Alexi Lafreniere does, hence why Lafreniere's light years ahead of them, but... Again, we we've talked about him a ton already, so none of this is going to surprise you. But just for the sake of uh, the conversation, Byfield's a six foot four, I think, about two hundred and twenty pound centerman who skates like the wind, has incredible hands, a very very good shot, and is very efficient on the ice, putting up massive numbers in the OHL this year. Although there's been some debates about those OHL numbers because out of all the scouted leagues for this draft, the OHL currently has the highest goals per game average this year, so some people think these numbers might be a touch inflated. Still, putting up just gaudy numbers. Um, not many concerns about his tools. There's nobody who's arguing them. Uh, the one, and I am arguing almost one argument against him and no more, is that he doesn't make a ton of high-skill plays. With Lafrenier, Stutzla, Raymond, Rossi, the guys who are supposed to, who might go in the top five, they have a lot of those highlight reel moments on their film tape where they're pulling it through a defender or making an incredible backhand pass through a three inch seam between three defenders. There's not a lot of that on Byfield's film. Now, depending who you talk to, that could be viewed as a positive or a negative. The positive outlook on that is that he plays the game so efficiently and with such a high level of IQ that he doesn't ever have to make a complicated play because he puts himself in position to make the right simple play every time. The other side is that, well, no, no player's that perfect. You have to pull a rabbit out of your hat every once in a while, and Byfield can't do that. So that's a concern for a guy with his skill set. Now, I tend to fall on the former, and I think it's more of the positive, but it leaves me enough pause to not say he's a slam dunk second overall because, the, in my opinion, the two guys right behind him do make those plays frequently. Um, and again, there's arguments about the production in the OHL, and if he was playing in hypothetically the WHL or the USHL or whatever league, would his numbers be as disgusting as they are right now? And that's obviously a valid argument. There's been a lot of talk about how weak the goaltending in the OHL is this year, how it's a a forward heavy league to begin with. So yeah, you're going to get naturally inflated numbers. I think it's kind of countered by the fact he didn't play on a particularly great team. Um, They were good, but not unreal. So it, it leaves enough of a window open to talk about him not going second, but I know I've said this on the podcast before, but you could argue in terms of translating into an NHL player, Byfield might be the safest pick in the whole draft because his with his tools, he can play anywhere in the lineup you want. If he tops out as a fourth-line grinder, that sucks because you picked him second overall, but there's no way he's not at least that.
0: Yeah, I think the seeing him play a few times this year, he doesn't really do anything that truly stands out but if you watch just watch him he does his hockey knowledge and his awareness is better than anyone at his peers like he puts himself in the right position 11 out of 10 times and it just he just makes the game so easy he doesn't need to get into tricky situation where he needs to let his skill really shine um one knock that i noticed with, about his game is he's kind of a gentle giant. Um, it would be nice to see him use that physicality a little bit more. Maybe he will at the NHL level. Um, time it'll, it'll take time to see that, but um, he also plays defense in his own zone really well because he is so massive, and he skates so well, and he thinks so well. So if any team's looking for someone with ultra, ultra high ceiling in a 200-foot game, this guy's your number two pick without a doubt. Like For me, he's still number two um I think he at some point since he is a centerman he will be a franchise centerman
1: yeah I if you're talking about what you want from a number two overall pick um behind Alexi Lafreniere and then someone comes up with uh Byfield you take that and run like there's of course the assumed risk of what the these guys talked about but what it boils down to for me is that every single aspect of Byfield's game is either good great or elite like for a guy to be able to move how he does when he's six forward, like two fifteen, is absolutely nuts for him to have the hands that he does. Um, and the playmaking that he's demonstrated um, without compromising his uh, compromising his goal scoring ability. Cause he's shown that he's been able to finish from, you know, outside of like directly in front of the crease. Like he can score from mid range. Like it, it's wild that you can have that someone who can play at that pace um dangle uh play in tight you know make strong defenders look silly um make his teammates better that's the kind of thing where whatever you can draw against him as a negative is just like yeah who cares you take that assumed risk like like evan said that's a sky high ceiling you have a i don't even think
0: at- he i don't even think there is really any risk with that pick i mean there's some things like scorings up in the ohl and he hasn't, you know, looked that great in best on best uh competition. Um, but when you just look at the tool set he's got and just he's a physical freak, like to me it's it's one of the least risky picks you could make.
1: I think if you're picking for a second overall pick, you have to make a case for someone else over Quinton Byfield and not vice versa. Like it's Quinton Byfield's spot to lose in my mind. And I can see the argument for a Stutzla or even like a Raymond if you're if a team's into like uh you know wants to find someone who might be a flash in the pan not a flash in the pan but like so hot and have that like high end skill translate completely to the NHL I can see that because for sure if you have that elite pull the rabbit out of your hat kind of a ability then if you can bank on that happening you might be able to say yeah this will be the second best or even the best player in the draft but in my mind yeah Evan you're right it's not risky you're right isn't the right word to use because he's for me a bonafide number two overall in this draft
0: there's somebody every draft that a team falls in love with and they pick them at that that at their first spot wherever they are um like sixth like sixth for example like last year for people who have short-term memory um so that is what I would think would, ha- would cause Quinton Byfield to fall to three or four. But if I just look at this from a complete outside perspective, I still think he's the number two overall pick.
2: Yeah, the, the risk with Byfield isn't, is he going to be good? I, at least I don't. Good. I don't think that's the risk. I. I think he'll be a good at war second line center in the NHL. The risk with Byfield is: is he the second best player in this draft? Because again, there is the possibility of Schutzer. or Raymond could be better. Um, not that Byfield wouldn't be good in that instance, but it's this: is he the best pick there? The other thing that Byfield has going for them, and I generally don't trumpet this fact. Too much with prospects because I find it to be a heavily overrated fact, especially when a guy's already physically developed, but he is a, I think mid to late August birthday. So he is one of the youngest players going in this draft. So it's scary to think that uh, in terms of physical development, he's had less time than almost everybody else in this draft. So <laughs> we're not a hundred percent sure he won't be six foot five by the time he gets to the NHL. Um I, I think he's probably done, uh just putting on muscle at this point, but you can't say for certain. Um, but the optimistic view of the late birthday is that he might. And um the fact that he's a late birthday coupled with uh mid season, I believe it was wrist injury he had that caused him to miss a, a good chunk of time. He's still pretty early in his overall development um so we haven't we obviously he's only 17 we haven't come close to seeing the surface of what quinton byfield can become
0: um i know a lot he's of he's on a better team in the OHL too i can't even think what his points per game would be it was already like over 2 like he would be a 2.5 points per game type player like he's got nothing left to prove at the junior level
2: yeah, because if him and Marco Rossi just swapped spots and health this year, we're, we're, he's probably got 130, 140 points. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it, it. he's a fascinating player because it's been a long time since we've seen someone like him in the draft. Uh, the only guy that I, I can truly think of that matched his style of play um, with the physical attributes he has would be Malkin back in 04. Now I don't think byfield's as dynamic as Malkin is. Um, won't be a so,
0: 100 top 100 player in the uh, in hockey history. Yeah,
2: Byfield's going to top out 102. Max. Yeah, at the
0: most. At the most. But um but yeah,
2: so if you want to think of Evgeny Malkin-Light, that that's probably what I project Byfield to be, which is still an unreal player. Because as we talked about last episode, Malkin's been a top five player in the league ever since he came into this league. I don't think that's Byfield. But if you want to sit here and, and think that if the Red Wings drafted Quinton Byfield in five years, is he the number one center ahead of Dylan Larkin? I'd say yeah, that's probably a pretty good projection because if you're picking a guy second overall, you would hope he's your first line center franchise player. Is he a generational talent? No, absolutely not. Um, is he the type of franchise player that can that I think will single handedly drag a team to a cup? No, I don't think so. I, I barely think Lafreniere qualifies for that, but I do put him in that category. But Byfield's that uh, if if you're gonna win a, can- a Stanley Cup with byfield is your number one center you can but you have to look at in my opinion the la kings blueprint of how to do that because i think byfield compares closer in terms of skill level to a kopitar than a malkin
0: yeah i see um he's got far less flash than malkin does but he does remind me just a little bit of um, patrice bergeron as well in terms of his defensive game a little bit bigger of a player and um we'll see if he can play through the injuries that Bergeron plays through but um it's kind of like a Malkin Bergeron hybrid mix to me um when i look at Byfield which is n- no slouch
1: i was going to say that's not a bad hybrid i've honestly never really thought much of byfield's defensive game but maybe i just haven't given it too much mind
0: he's massive has a huge wingspan and is super athletic and can skate so he can even if it was bad he could be te- he could be taught uh, yeah. how to play
1: Bring Scotty Bowman in; he'll learn them right quick.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, hot take on what Brad said about if he can he single handedly drag a team to a Stanley Cup. Uh, goalies are the only players who can do that. Not Crosby. Not McDavid. Not Lafreniere. Goalies are literally the only single like they have the only um, peak performance that could single handedly win games for teams. Otherwise, hockey is too much of a team sport. Crosby played. Crosby and Malkin were lights out in '08 and lost to Detroit, and almost did in '09. Like, you just don't have that. You need a full complement of teams, where you have to have a goalie who's going absolutely bonkers, and it doesn't have to be the best goalie in the league. It can be freaking Dwayne Roloson. He almost did it for Edmonton in his late '30s. So
0: Jonathan Bernier, Tim Thomas, winner.
1: Yeah, like you pick what you want, but goalies are the only p- position in my mind that can drag uh, teams to a Stanley Cup.
0: Yeah. So I mean. You get second overall, you're getting an unreal prospect.
1: Do any of us take Tim Stutzla second overall at this point? How does yeah. Hank feel about it, Brad?
0: Uh, not great.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I like
0: uh, Byfield a lot because I've been able to watch him myself, and but Stutzla is the one with, where his draft stock just shot like a rocket. So... If it's me picking, I take Byfield, but I've just got this little voice in the back of my head uh, that thinks that there might, if Detroit's at two, they'll take Stutzla.
2: I think I would almost bet on the Red Wings taking Stutzla with all the connections that have been made there. Um, If I'm the Red Wings, am I taking Byfield number two? Yeah, I'm I'm still taking Byfield number two. I just, I can't bet against those tools, and I have to bet on the efficiency of his game versus the wow factor because don't get me wrong there's way more of a wow factor to Stutzla uh, in the plays that he made this year especially at the pro level um, versus the plays Byfield made but I I just I can't bet against it
1: yeah I tend to agree it's really tough because I think Stutzla's skills could be like he could be on highlight reels four years from now. And everyone's thinking, how did this guy go, you know, fourth overall, um, kind of screams that kind of player. Um, and he also screams like the type of player where if he's not drafted first or second, he's the player who ends up being the best player in the draft. And everyone's like, how, how did it end up being this guy? Um, but Byfield is just too complete in too many ways. And the physical, set like the physical tools he has like i usually write off big players if they can't move i'm like whatever it's kind of a wash in my mind um it's good that you're huge but if you can't skate then how much of an advantage is it truly um in terms of net gain but he can do both like mm, it's really tough to, to go against him and like i said i, I really think it's Quinton byfield spot to lose and at this point i'd go byfield uh another point to what brad said about almost betting on detroit taking shoots uh shoots second overall is that um Stutzel's development path will probably lend a little bit better to what Eisman's thinking about in terms of uh when this team will come out of the rebuild. Like he's not likely I don't think Stutzel would come over right away or make the NHL right away. And with Quentin Byfield, because of the current CHL exchange rules, like you would have to play him in the NHL in his first year.
0: Yeah, he's Byfield. got nothing left to prove at the OHL level.
1: Yeah,
2: I I wouldn't say he's got nothing left to prove at the OHL level, but I, I think he'd be more than comfortable in the NHL given his raw tools. At that point, you're just straight up thinking, okay, well, where is he going to improve more? Because I don't think it's a doubt that he would keep up at the NHL level now. But you don't want him to get rasmussen Um, where you rush him and yeah, he, he hangs in there and he doesn't look out of place, but he's just kind of mediocre. The fans start getting on him and it's not really helping his progress. So uh, if we do draft Byfield, I, I definitely think it's... If I'll say 50-50 he plays in the NHL next year because um, God knows too if if it's going to be a condensed schedule and it's going to be all types of chaos in the NHL maybe you don't want him there for that because it's like dude your first year and we're like trying to start a season in December and wrap it up by June you're not going to be able to handle that so that might be a factor in where he plays next year so I don't know He's he's to me the most fascinating prospect in the draft just because of the, the sheer range of what he could be and what his options are
1: uh, speaking about the draft so that was our, our profile on Quentin Byfield um, and obviously there's more to come uh, on every episode I am going to talk about the draft itself right now um, and specifically how it might actually be facilitated so um, this past Sunday a few hours after we dropped the episode um we saw the NFL do their online draft from everyone from their like basement or whatever Airbnb they had. Um, and it was really cool to see it. And it was a ratings hit um, pretty sad because they brought up like a terrible, awful, somber story about every single player that was drafted. And It was weird. They had like their draft card up on the screen. They're like six foot five, like um, fastest North South runner uh, in the whole draft class. Like, parents were brutally murdered by the joker in a back yeah what like was back, that all
0: about oh
1: man and i get it like a lot of like a lot of these stories are genuine and real like i'm not taken away from it and it's but it's like i'm uh,
0: trying I don't to make like he, a human interest story out of the draft
1: yeah it's like man we're all already there we're there like if we're watching the draft we already care about these people you don't <laughs> you don't need to put the glue there for us to stick to yeah, it was a lot. And it was what, um, it, what
0: happens if they post something and the team's like, whoa, 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 that we didn't know about that. I mean, they probably <laughs> should, but <laughs> yeah, well, that could uh, cause some issues. I wouldn't be surprised if that's actually happened.
1: Like a team drafts a uh, player, and then afterwards, like in all the media scrums, something else comes out. They're like, and how did you like feel about uh you know coming back after spending six months in prison? And the team's like, wait, what? whoops <laughs> <laughs> don't worry it's just tax fraud nothing to worry about um a cool few things just before we start relating this back to hockey uh, cliff kingsbury lives in the house from parasite it's dope as hell um all, the, that, all
2: that nfl draft did was make me realize how much i've failed in life oh yeah 100 percent. i live in an, a, a decent house not anything special but it's definitely uh not under the poverty line um, and then I watched Jerry Jones in his $250 million yacht. I saw Cliff Kingsbury in his uh, drug dealer a mansion, and then every everybody's place there. Hell, even a lot of the pics that these guys look like they were in like uber wealthy mansions. And I'm like, either I think I a lot of them the- were in Airbnbs. That would make sense. And I was just like, hmm, yeah, no, I, hmm. man, I'm not good at this life thing.
1: Well, Evans never led us onto his estate. We've never been able to get past the gate or That's the true. second gate.
0: Fun so fact like f- Anyway, oh, I knew
2: it. <laughs> Fun fact, I live less than a five minute drive from Evan's house and I've never seen it.
1: We've never been to Evan's house.
2: No, Evan is literally Rosa from Brooklyn 99. Oh my God. Yeah,
1: he actually is.
0: I'm out on the golf course every day right now though. Which is just your backyard. Yep. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Uh, Bill Belichick looks like he just is in a simple kitchen with his new um, uh, consultant, his dog. That still frame of the dog sitting in his chair
2: with Bill Belichick head coach below it is my favorite image in the
1: entirety of the Internet. It's peak comedy. That's like the, the height of comedy right there. That was amazing. Um, Why this is relevant to hockey? Well, the way they ran this was uh, kind of a proof of concept as to how other professional leagues might be able to do uh, similar drafts. And so um, the NFL is naturally a little bit different. Um, They're corny as hell and have every pick announced by the commissioner, um, Roger Goodell, which I think is baloney. Um, I don't actually hate Gary Bettman like other people do, but I don't want him up there the entire time um i think it's self-important of roger did, goodell to um, do it
0: did they put in booze like overlay booing yeah he had like a i love that so much
1: the boo- yeah i love that so much they leaned into how cheesy it was and it was good um
2: w- would have been
1: good love the
2: concept if roger goodell didn't have the personality of a cardboard box oh yeah 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 i mean roger Gu- Sorry, go he ahead. has a personality of a, a mid-level hedge fund manager Everything about this virtual draft in terms of concept, um, execution, yada, 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 I actually think they did a phenomenal
0: job. The fact um, that they got all these old, rich, white dudes to figure out video conferencing is a miracle.
2: Yeah, it's it was very well done. It was entertaining, Um, even though it was cheesy as hell to have the Zoom meeting of fans in the background and everything. And the actual noise coming from them made it feel a little more like a, an actual draft and people cheering as the guy walks up to the stage. So I, cheesy, but it worked. To me, the only thing that was off was how, how stale and unfunny Goodell himself was. Like someone who was uh, had a personality better suited for this would have been incredible. It would have been an A++ performance. So getting to what Ryan's saying about if the NHL does the same thing, uh, I I do think Batman would do a better job than Goodell, but what this showed me is this would need a a proper host. Hire someone, find a celebrity, find get PK Subban to do it. For all I care, no pass. Just I don't care. Someone with personality. Don't go too over the top and cheesy with the jokes, but replicate what the NFL did exactly, and you've got a home run.
0: What about Don Cherry? <laughs> It wouldn't be boring, that's for sure.
2: Oh, man. How many names in the top 10 would he not be able to pronounce just off the top of Did our head? He wouldn't
0: make it to Stutzla. <laughs> I don't think he'd get Lefrenier right. I don't think he would.
1: <laughs> Tim Lefier, Laferi- Tim La- La- Alexi Lefier. No, I don't Alexi I don't, I don't La- know. fairy tale story. <laughs> no, I think... uh I think you're right in that finding a host would be the best way to do it. But that does mean just w- with all 31 teams, you're not going to get a different person's audio coming through. It's just a technical nightmare. The, the technological capabilities of these um, decision makers, NHL decision makers out in the world isn't exceedingly high and at home is not going to be great. You're essentially riding on how good their kids are at computers. And like that's not a joke. A lot of these NFL GMs said, "Yeah, I got set up because my do- like son and daughter set this up for me." Like it, <laughs> it's an actual thing. So you'd have to find someone to host. If it had to be Batman, I honestly would be fine with it because the whole thing I think was an, uh, an absolute success. It was a total win.
2: Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. Except uh, depending who you talk to. Except for or especially when someone got pooping got caught pooping in the back of Mike Vrabel's feed, which was great. Huge success. Someone yeah. forgot to close the door.
1: <laughs> I don't wonder who poops with the door open like that. Like I just,
0: so many people. It
1: blows my mind. And I understand being comfortable. Like I'm not there, but congratulations. But the, you know the odor is
0: a real thing. Close they don't the want to miss the moment. Right. Oh are you? my god.
1: Forgetting Evans already
2: had to talk about his open door policy. Yeah. Here. Does that apply with the washroom?
0: Um, sometimes. Uh, in the morning, getting ready for work, it definitely does. If Does your I like,
1: come and sit in like in your pants, like while your pants are down?
0: No, if I close the door, he'll just sit outside screaming. And if I leave it a slightly ajar, he just like bolts through and just opens the door and and fights his way in. Yeah, <laughs> God, gotta make sure everything is, is going on ends. in there.
2: This is the yeah. best and worst visual I've ever
0: had. <laughs> Evan, I'm gonna I'm gonna
1: buy you a camera, like just a GoPro, stick it in the corner. Um, and I want you to just get as much raw footage of you and the cat as possible.
0: Sure. He comes in and interrupts my meetings too. I'll, won't be saying anything all morning. And then as soon as I have a meeting where I need to talk 30 seconds and he comes up the stairs, just going nuts. And I'm like, well, sorry, that's so is my the, cat." Is the
1: door open for this podcast right now.
0: No, but uh, Catherine's he- not busy. So, oh, uh, i honestly think we occupied. should just go buck
1: wild and let him in
0: one day sure he'll he'll come in he just screams just screams <laughs> and then i turn around and he looks at me and just leaves it's ridiculous. <laughs> he serves no purpose other than just be a shit disturber
1: well that's what you deserve man I, like as your friend i want to tell you that's what you deserve i know we're so used to uh evan brad that like we are We know it's not normal, but we're like, yeah, whatever. Uh, When we talk about how we've never been to his house in the five plus years of knowing each other. But then it's like when we go to meetups and stuff, people are like, so you guys are joking, right? Like you, you guys obviously hang out all the time. We're like, I mean, we, yeah, we, we hang out, but what do you mean? They're like, you've never been to Evan's house? Like, no, no, (laughs) we didn't know Kat was a person until a year into the relationship. Yeah. We met Kat for the first time. Like, was it October?
2: yeah yep. the homo she's lovely classic Sweet. i'm not i'm not even going to say with 100 percent certainty that cat is her name i i think there's a chance that evan told her to tell us that's her name just in case
0: but he's i can't, I can't give out rosa. my secrets
1: yeah that's a rosa move because uh your cat's name isn't even frankie that's what you just what you call him
0: it's fred his name yeah his name's alfie but i call him fred you call him fred (laughs) you just let that drop like i don't know i'm not a syllables guy you know just one syllable names does he respond to fred now oh yeah he loves it
1: (laughs) anyways oh man the the draft do it online it'll be good I, I, I very much vote for early June draft if they can do it online and with these new draft lottery rules.
2: If they do it with the new draft lottery rules, I'm good if they do it tomorrow. As long as we <laughs> use those new draft lottery rules.
1: Um, Evan brought up a great idea for a topic on this episode that I think we should save um, for a maybe a Patreon exclusive. But I just want to talk about one thing. Uh, from this topic which is uh, proposed 2022 nhl or not nhl olympic hockey rosters um the american one i've seen it done team usa done by a few different outlets nothing major so far uh tsn so for those of you who don't know it's like one of the major hockey networks and um sports networks but mainly hockey in canada Uh, they put out a proposed team canada 2022 why do people hate mark stone what did he do?
0: Yeah, I did see that, and that was the first name I noticed that wasn't on the list. Oh,
1: whoa, my God!
0: He's he. The only thing I can think of is he's. Uh,
2: I can't remember his exact exact age, but I know he's around thirty, isn't he? So, no,
1: he'll be like twenty nine or thirty at in twenty twenty two. That's it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Then that's insane. I, I can only assume. um That due to the boredom of quarantine, whoever did that list just simply forgot.
1: Well, a lot of that stuff is done for clicks, right? Like, it just has to be. And that's fine. Like, everyone's guilty of it. Um, Nobody's above, you know, putting in something controversial just to get the conversation going. And I think there's value in that. But at the same time, like, Drew Doughty being there uh, that's a name pick alone. To be fair, Team Canada's
2: defensive options aren't great, um, like they are in normal years. Uh, this this is definitely one where Team USA is going to have a, a very heavy advantage on the defensive front. Canada will still have, a, I think, a, a big advantage up front, but yeah, I don't I don't love Canada's defensive options.
1: Oh, I mean the goaltending set of Bennington, Carey Price, and Carter Hart put forward here.
2: Yeah, not great either. I like I mean, Carter Hart a lot. But. I like Carter Hart a lot too, but uh, compared to every other goalie in the world that will be there. Two years is a long time. Yeah, it is. Especially in for a goalie. Because my, uh, my instant hot take with with Team Canada is, if, if this is two years from now, um, down the left side, I, I actually do think Mantha might make a real strong case for it. Would I put him on the team? Eh. Probably not, but I think he'll be very much in the conversation because he'll be prime age, hopefully two healthy seasons under his belt leading into it. And if Mantha plays 160 games over the next two years, he'll probably be around 150 points and maybe 70-ish goals. And that that won't be something Team Canada can ignore. Um, But the depressing realization I had looking at those rosters and that everything is there's... uh, These Olympics will not... Not have a lot of Red Wing representatives. No. Larkin will be there for sure for the States. Mantha's a dark horse for Canada. Cider might actually be the captain of Germany if Dreisaitl gets hurt. Uh, um, but yeah, like I, who else? <laughs> who else will even make a case? Lafrenier maybe. <laughs>
0: oh, wait, um, are we talking to only US and Canada? Oh, no. <laughs> if we're going
2: international, Hironic will will yeah. be there.
0: Cider will be there. Cider, that's why I was thrown off. Yeah, I
1: got a couple of questions, and the the TSN tweet all got a lot more questions about people like asking about players. They're like, "Why not Quinn Hughes?" I'm like, "Well, he's American. It'd be pretty hard for him to make the Canadian list." <laughs> and someone suggested uh, a Swede and a Finn, I believe. And I was like, "Also, it would make it difficult for them to make it." But I would agree that they'd make the team better. Um, and I just can never tell if they're being funnier. Maybe they just uh, didn't read the tweet fully. But yeah, it was. it's going to be tough for a team in Detroit's position to have a ton of representation right now.
0: When you're now. the worst team in the league his, by a historic mile, it's going to be very hard to have your players make their international squads. Yeah, yeah. general rule of thumb.
1: Okay, uh, Brad, your kid's screaming. Is that a good enough cue to head over to overtime? They've been screaming basically the whole time. Let's head over to overtime, and this is a weekend episode, so we um, have questions uh, from everywhere on the internet, but we're going to start with uh, Patreon, where we read out our Patreon supporters' comments as our way of saying, thank you for supporting the Winged Wheel podcast during these hashtag trying times, TM. Uh, Mayor of the Toilet Paper Town says, bring back the Mike Milbury Minute. You're so right, but a rule of thumb for us with the Mike Milbury Minute is it has to be organic and there has nothing there's been nothing for us to get so angry about that we'd want to hit someone with a shoe over it and that's yeah. the rule of thumb.
2: Corona's has just worn us down. It's hard to have a Mike Milbury minute in the off season. If uh the Red Wings pick second overall and draft like Drysdale or so, yeah, then we'll we'll have a Mike Milbury minute but uh beyond that eh, uh-huh.
1: Uh, Cody G says, I have zero faith that the cup can be awarded for the 2019, 2020 season, but as people discuss the possibility, they always mention the asterisk in the record books. If players receive an equal amount of prep time for the playoff, does it really change the outcome of the finals that much? Or are we assuming it's not fair because certain teams might not be able to prepare well compared to others, depending on the state or country they're in? Ultimately, as hockey players uh, yourselves, does an extra two or three weeks of practice impact your performances on the ice so much that it could change the outcome of the Stanley Cup final?
2: Yes, absolutely, yes. Timing is everything in hockey. And uh, if uh, I'm curious to see what's going to happen um, when this quarantine is lifted because I don't think I've gone longer than two weeks without stepping on the ice in the last, God, five years since I got married at least. So it's... I, I am so curious to see how terrible I'm going to be after going two, three months without stepping on the ice. And I'm just a, a crappy peer leaguer. Like If you're a highly tuned professional athlete where fractions of a second make a difference on the ice, I, I can't imagine trying to play that game uh, when your timing's that rattled. You definitely need time to acclimate. Um, and, and I could see how it might be deemed unfair because apparently players are currently skating in Sweden. Um, Some States in the U S are lifting some regulations and those players will be able to skate. I know everything uh, here in Ontario, I think the lockdown got extended till the end of May. So uh, the Leafs and senators, hypothetically, not that it'll matter much for Ottawa, but they will not be skating um, for a while. Uh, We still, and and it's not like the the Canada border is closed, so they couldn't just go to wherever they want to skate. They're stuck in Canada and vice versa. So yeah, there would definitely be a heavy disadvantage there. Uh, When it comes to the playoff format, so if if we're going to go on the hypothetical that everybody's prep is equal, then yeah, I have no sympathy. There should be no asterisk. Because if it's a five-game series... Okay, you know that going in, you have no excuse but to win three games because some people are arguing. Yeah, well, how many teams have come back from being down three one or three two in a series? They won't get that chance now. Yeah, I get that, but if it was a nine game series, how they could the other team could flip it around and win. It's arbitrary; it doesn't matter. Um, so if you know going in you have to win three games, do whatever the hell you have to do to win three games. So yeah, if if all else being equal, based on playoff format, no asterisks to me but it prep time does matter so if every team is going to need at least two to three weeks to prepare or else yeah that would be a big problem
1: yeah without expanding too much on what brad said like i I think if you can have some kind of semblance of what the normal playoffs would be that would remove the asterisk the only point where that proverbial asterisk would come into in my mind as if the teams who qualify that ends up being wonky which might have to be the case but you know the uh, it might just have to be a necessary sacrifice but yeah two or three weeks of, of rest time is huge and then two or three weeks of uh time away like that's a long time for for professional athletes so like that's like going back to preseason a team in preseason compared to how they are like at game 50 is is wildly different hockey so it is important to have that lead time um sam bang uh banks bankston Banktson. sorry sam uh, has says <laughs> hey brople Stiltskins, new patron new patron long time listener first comment thanks for joining the uh dub dub family man much appreciated and sorry for burt butchering your name uh it's all this non-alcoholic rattler uh he says i have the mo- the utmost important question when eating hot wings which is superior flats or drums
0: <clears throat> flats. When eating hot wings specifically
1: yeah or any wings my flats
2: is my answer no matter what because it's better to eat less cartilage more meat and uh yeah the cartilage part is the weakest part of the wing so i want less of that and that's why the flats
1: are superior yes Uh, He agrees and says flats. Kyle uh, Visantine says, Hey, Dub Dubs, uh, Yaroslav Halak's contract is set to expire this coming offseason. Could you see Eisman bringing him in to replace Howard?
2: Uh, I could. Um, I think Halak might command a few more dollars than some of the other options that will be available. But if if that's the guy, great. I mean, between Halak, Grice, uh, Kudobin... And probably two or three other guys that would fill that void. I'm not particularly concerned which one it is.
0: It's all about Uh, dollars and cents.
1: The YBK says, what's up, fellas? Thanks for the rundown on the minor leagues. Really informative. One question to add to my budding hockey knowledge. What exactly is meant by being a good skater? I'm guessing change of direction, acceleration, backwards movement akin to cornerbacks in the NFL, maybe. What exactly goes into determining whether someone's a great skater? Oh, man. We actually covered this perfectly a few episodes ago. Um, I can't remember which one it is. But if you haven't, try listening back to when we talked about attributes that make like when we look to scout prospects short answer here is a combination of everything you listed top speed acceleration like how powerful your first few strides are how quickly you're able to change direction Backward skating yeah very important as well um ability to just like running yeah
0: you have top end speed how quick you get to that how you move left right northwest it's kind of the same thing
1: what you can do with the puck while you're skating is huge yeah Uh, Connor McDavid is one of the fastest players in the NHL. But the thing that makes him like the like in all practice the fastest player in the NHL is that he can do things with the puck that no one else can at that speed. So like Athanasio might be able to skate faster hypothetically at top speed, but could cannot do with what McDavid does with the puck. Um, oh, and now that the NFL draft is in the books, I think we can safely say that the lottery and the draft should all be uh, possible remotely. That's a plus. Haroon Khan says, hey, guys, what's the best case scenario for Sveshnikov if he does make it to the NHL? I'm really hoping he gets a shot uh, on special teams, maybe, and lives up to his draft day projections. Also, if you were the GM of an expansion team and had the option of hiring Iserman, Jeff Gorton, or Peter Chiarelli, who would you hire? Let's go Red Wings. Um, was, who was it? It was Shirelli, Gorton, and who else? Eisman. Yeah, Eisman. Um, Iserman, but no, Gorton's no chump. He's doing a great job in New
2: York. Yeah, Gordon was the GM of the Bruins for like three weeks and set them up for fifteen years. Um, if and if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. It's remarkable. Um, what was the first question of that one? Oh, Svechnikov, right? Uh, if I'm being like very optimistic on the scale, I think uh, Svechnikov's best case scenario is decent second line winger who can play the bumper on the second power play unit. I think a more realistic projection in terms of best case scenario would be third line winger and maybe second line power play, depending on what roles. I don't think he's suited to play the half walls on the power play. And with Bertuzzi and Rasmussen on the team, I don't think he'll get a shot net front. So I don't love a ton of our options for second unit bumper. So hypothetically, he could be that guy. I think in time, that'll be Valeno. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm still optimistic on Svechnikov being a regular in the NHL, but
1: top six would be great, but I'm not holding my breath for that. Thomas Anderson says, quick, which do you miss more, playing hockey or watching hockey? Um, playing. Watching. It'll, it'll always be playing for me. Watching. It'll- I don't love the way I play hockey so much that I think it's better than the NHL. <laughs> <laughs> the, the way the the
2: way the Red Wings played this year didn't do a lot to sway my argument the other way. It was it's in the trying times of this quarantine. As much as I miss and love hockey, I have to remind myself for the sake of my sanity and aggravation levels. I I, I try to remember a lot of the Red Wings games I watched this year and how unpleasant of an experience it was, and be like, okay, it's okay, Brad. You miss hockey, but but you don't need that in your life right now it's fine it's fine you're happy you're spending time with your kids you're not yelling at a screen it's okay
1: uh next comment is from someone whose name is very similar to brad crisco this is from selfish Puck hog he says sitting on my ass drinking whiskey listening to the podcast you caught me at a weak moment where i have nothing else to spend money on so now i'm a patron don't f it up hey, Amen." well uh we thank you for drinking whiskey that day welcome to the dub dub family uh and if you ever come to a meetup you have a drink on us uh, Chris Cannell says, hey, Dub, all of these old playoff games got me thinking about something the other day. Around the time of 2008 uh, to 2010-ish, the Red Wings drafted really bad at the top of the draft. Tom McCollum, Brendan Smith, Riley Shahan, Marty Furk, Xavier willette were all taken out of the first or second round. Woof. I know not every single first or second round pick will pan out, but for a while, the team that made a living off identifying talent couldn't even do it in the first or second round. I also understand that we didn't always have the huge – or the the best first round pick most of years, um, because we are always so competitive. So my question is, do any of you guys have an idea why the drafting was so bad around this time?
2: You know what? I'll I'll expand on on your argument. Um, I, I got to do more digging into it, but at, at a quick glance, you could almost argue from two thousand one to two thousand twelve, the Red Wings were the worst drafting team in the NHL because in that period, what? really, like, true productive players did the Red Wings select. Uh, 02, I can't think of it. 01, 02, I can't think of anybody impactful off the top of my head. 03, they got Jimmy Howard in the second round, so that was good. 04, I think they got and in the third or fourth. 05, they got a couple, like, Abdelkader and Helm, but, mm, I mean, good. They got them in the late rounds, that's good, but I wouldn't call them impact players. 06, nobody. 07, I'm Here we go.
0: I, I pulled it up. Yeah. First, okay. You. Here's from 2000, and we'll go 2000. 2000 I would two. consider successful because they got Cronwall in the first. Cronwall year. was number one. Then we didn't have a first round pick in two, 2001, and we took Igor Gregor, Gregorenko second round. Didn't have a first round pick in 2002, but we took Yuri Hudler uh, with our first first pick. Then we took Jimmy Howard second round. Franz in third round in 2004. Uh, 2005 was Jakob Kindle. 2006 didn't have a first round pick, so there's Corey Emerton uh, in our second round. 2007, Brendan Smith. 2008, Tom McCollum 2009 didn't have a first round pick. We took Landon
2: Ferraro. Was it I think 08 or 09 though? One of the redeeming ones is
0: I think they got Nyquist in the third or four in the fourth round of one of those years. 2009 we got Tatar as well in the yeah. second round. Uh, Nyquist was fourth round of 2008.
2: Yeah, okay. So the, those were probably their two redeeming picks, but between oh five and oh five, oh six and oh seven, they didn't get a single top four defenseman or top six player, like forward. That I yeah. know not having a first round pick handcuffs you, but man, you gotta be hitting the dartboard more than that in the two thousand
0: two is actually a pretty good draft for Detroit. Uh Yuri Hitler, Thomas Fleischmann, not for Detroit. Filipula uh, <laughs> was third Phil- round. Yeah, that was a good one. And Derek Meach actually played 144 games, and the legend himself, 680 games played. Jonathan Erickson. Oh God, that was probably. You know what? I hate to say it. That was probably our best draft in a, a while. See? So yeah, my 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 whole argument with it is they
2: got players. They didn't get good players though. So they they probably beat the odds in terms of plucking guys in late rounds who played north of two hundred games. But man, if if your best player drafted in a ten year span is either Gus Nyquist or Tomash Tatar, that's not a good run. You you cannot tell me that's a good run.
0: Yeah, you don't wanna look at the past or the two thousand to two thousand ten drafts because the number of players who've played over 100 games 200 games is not good but it's quite low
2: now since then though uh since 2012 i would argue it's been good 2013 was a home run of a draft for the red wings getting mantha and bertuzzi 2014 was a home run they got larkin uh 2015 still a little to be determined because we don't know what's going to come of svechnikov uh 2016 looks like it could be a potential home run uh Well, with Hronik in the second round, that's fantastic. And then if Cholosky turns into a regular, that's a really, really good draft. We also
0: drafted uh, Larson that year as well. Yeah,
2: and Giovanni Smith. Uh, 2017, I would argue, is an unmitigated disaster um, given where they picked and how many picks they have. It's Um,
0: not looking good. (laughs) No. Again,
2: Michael Rasmussen will be a good player in the NHL in all likelihood, but ninth overall is looking like horrible value for him. Will
1: he... Yeah,
2: L- Lindstrom Time will tell. Lindstrom uh, looks like he'll probably be a player, but he was a top 40 pick and he's not going to look like he's going to be worth that. Um, Then 2018 is looking like another uh, grand slam of a draft possibly and only zadine has made it so far. But beyond that, Valeno, Berger, and McKay like, I think we can safely say at least one of those guys will pan out. And then 2019 obviously is way too early to be determined. But yeah, since 2013, I've been more happy than not with their drafting but before that yeah it that that is a fascinating deep dive that I might do for the website one day because
1: woof you if you want if you're looking for reasons why personnel uh you know unwillingness to change methods there there was it's hard to pin it down on one person because you know tyler wright did a lot of great things as well as things that were questionable so uh, nobody gets it all perfect but at at some point the buck has to stop and so if there was a culture of uh, unwillingness to change or adapt then it's been the, the results were evident so Yeah, we'll see what digging into that further gets. Mark Burnham says, Sup, boys, something that I haven't seen discussed is anywhere is the impact of this pandemic on the regularly scheduled lockout, the 2022 to 2023 season. Uh, I think seems to me that this makes it much less likely that we'll see a lockout after the CBA expires. The possibility of losing more games just a few years from now and potentially lose two playoff races in four years is something that they will try very, very hard to avoid. Any idea what sort of maintenance training NHL players are doing during this? One, I think that's a great point, Mark. I would think that's really excellent. And two, you have to expect that the teams are giving at-home training regimens and do whatever you can within the confines of the law to these players. So it's not ever going to be as good as uh, being on the ice and having that full training, but they're doing something.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, most NHL players are are not hurting for cash and resources. So I'd be surprised if there's any player that didn't have at least an adequate home gym setup uh, or at the very least, you know, a couple mats and, and a bunch of dumbbells, which you can get more than an adequate workout with just that. Um, and yeah, there's there's no way that these teams aren't giving them training regimens. So I, I think that's fine. But I, I, to your other point about the lockout, I, I think this is going to complicate negotiations. I don't think this is a positive in that because so many dollars are, are being lost here. Uh, There's no way the owners don't try to recoup that in the CBA. So I I don't know, just knowing, (laughs) knowing how to just stereotype greedy, rich people tend to be with their money when they lose a lot of it. Uh, That's not acceptable. And they try to get it back generally by all means necessary. So yeah, I don't think this is going to plan our favor. Now, this is coming from the most pessimistic view because the NHL and the NHLPA fighting is probably my biggest source of anger mm-hmm. uh, because it's just Donald Duck having a money fight with himself in my mind. But that's just coming from me, a jealous Poresman. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt.
1: Uh, stay inside cheese bags of Fournier Company he says, hey there, fellas, I have to agree with Evan from last episode that the NHL should not attempt to return the season and any attempt to do so would exacerbate the situation. Not only is it a logistical nightmare, but somebody's going to get sick and they'll have to shut it all down again. Remember the first wave of the Spanish flu killed at least 3 million people globally after restrictions were loosened and businesses opened back up prematurely. The second wave killed at least 20 million time to cancel the season, hold an online draft, figure out what to do with the cap and conditional picks and be patient. I agree to disagree, but somewhere far down the road, Osgood will make it into the hall of fame. Goalies are the most underrepresented position and come some off year of talent, like the year Bernie Fedorko and Rod Langway got in, he'll get into as well as all the other goalies I listed last week. Except Andy Moog for Andy Moog. I love the Lions draft. I felt they got unfairly criticized for not making the trade at their top pick. Apparently Miami tried to offer a package of picks that didn't even include their fifth overall. Yeah, uh, Quinn was right for not trading. Any thoughts? Stay inside cheese bags. Um, I I was pleasantly bored by the Lions uh, pick. I think Okuda obviously top corn in the draft. Um, You can't sleep on that, especially because... They have to replace the talent they just lost at the cornerback position. Whether or not they had to lose is a different story. But anyways, uh, yeah, I I would have preferred the trade down. But if the trade's not there, then the trade's not there. Uh, Miami very obviously took a very calculated risk saying if we couldn't have – his name's escaping me, freaking Joe Burrow – then we'll wait for Tua because we don't think anyone's going to take Tua. And they were right. So – if you're not going to trade down, I'm happy Okuda was the guy they took there. What would have been best case scenario is if someone traded uh, with Washington for Tua and uh, the Lions got Chase young. Pretty much Tua getting hurt earlier in the year ruined it for the Lions, but that's neither here nor there.
2: How was the how's the Bills draft, Brad? Uh, considering they didn't have a first round pick, it went phenomenal. Um, now, obviously, I'm not going to complain getting Stefan Diggs for pick 22, so I was happy before the draft even started, but um, getting AJ Epinesa, an edge rusher, which is a huge position of need, uh, for the bills in the second round is great. Especially considering when I'd say 60% of the mocks I saw before the Stefan Diggs trade had the bills taking Epinesa at 22. Um, and then the rest of their draft went great. They got the running back they needed. They got two wide receivers they needed. I mean, they got Jake Fromm in the fifth round, even though the bills don't need a quarterback. That's just remarkable value. So, uh, not unhappy there. Yeah. I, I was over the moon with the with the Bills draft. Um, forgive me, I forget the rest of this question, the, the
1: Patreon uh, okay. question. Um, Maddie Dub says, "Hey boys, Tiger Woods is the best golfer of all time." Okay, now that I got Evan's attention, what have been your favorite <laughs> moments?
0: <laughs> he did look up. up. He actually <laughs> perked
2: up. That is the best part of
0: this.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, I did. Guilty.
1: Uh, <laughs> now that we got Evan with us, what have been your guys' favorite moments at the LCA and who are some prospects you hope to fall to 32? All right, I'm, I'm not
0: answering this off. question out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> were there any golf moments at the LCA? Not uh, that I remember.
1: Mantha's uh, uh, four goals have to yeah. be.
2: God, it's a, absolutely Mantha's four goal game for, I would think, for all three of us because not only might that actually be the best moment in the LCA so far, we were in the building for it. How could it not be? Yeah. Um, um
1: no that was cool as hell
2: yeah what was the other part of the question i my brain's fried today
1: prospects you hope fall to 32
2: uh either of the germans for me uh Paterka or reichel i know when we were on um max and Prashantha's podcast i actually traded up a spot or two i think it was to draft reichel in that mock mock draft so and i did it to draft Paterka. Yeah, which you came over top of me on that one. I'm still pissed about that. You son of a bitch. And <laughs> an arbitrary mock draft. I'm actually pissed at you for coming over the top of me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, and again, it's all it's all subjective, right? Because I could sit here and say, oh, I'd love it for Jack Quinn to fall, but that, that's just not realistic. So, out of the guys realistically that I could see going to 32, either of the Germans, but I wouldn't bet on it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Maverick Bork. Would love to see him uh, slide. Um, for guys that I actually expect to be there at thirty-two, I would love to see Ryan O'Rourke, Zion Nybeck, or Tyson Forster. Milandre, yeah, I, uh, I have a hard won't happen, him, but yeah, he would be, he would be great,
1: yeah um okay time for some reddit questions uh seven says you should have a show where you just answer all the questions we do it for patrons so uh the all q a episode seems to be a popular one so we'll definitely come back to that uh italy uh Italy stali actually i think that's how you say it, it says thanks guys been loving the podcast you become a staple to my workday commute trying to come up with some different questions than what's been asked already why was the bench at the joe not one straight line always wondered that when i got there Wait, it's it's not. I've we've me and
2: Evan have played at that arena on what those was benches. The question: the Why benches the, seemed straight to me. The benches they were just the Joe. They were just tiny. So the, some players probably had to stand behind it because there was no. I can't fathom how they fit an NHL roster onto those benches, even with five players on the ice at a time. I I can't. We were squished on there, and we were only running three lines.
1: Um, what else does the NHL and other leagues see a rise in attendance due to people being cooped up or a fall due to economic issues? Mm -hmm.
2: I it's, it's going to be, I would bet on a fall because of a combination of economic issues and paranoia, even once the quarantine's officially lifted, even I'm not super sure I'm going to be doing much in public for a couple months until I see uh if the second wave hits or not like yeah i'll i'll venture out into public but mm, cramming myself into a 20 th- with twenty thousand people at uh, that's not something i'm going to be doing for a while after
0: yeah i have uh, no desire to go to a professional sporting event no like it's hypo- a, full, a full year at least i, I don't like, know if I go- it all depends on how things go yeah like uh
2: cause if let's say the quarantine gets lifted for sake of argument, August 1st, and they plan on starting the regular season on time, like early October, I'm not going to the home opener. Like unless the amount of cases of COVID are almost gone. Um, I, I don't know if I'm taking that risk. Um, it's a lot of touch and go, but I could see that being an issue. That being said, there's going to be more than enough willing to fill the arena. That's why I think it's going to be a combination of economic and paranoia because the desire is absolutely going to be there. It's just going to be the factors around it.
1: Uh, And then the last question is, are, is the NHL going to take advantage of states, the states that reopen early or ease um, restrictions early? And the answer to that is yes, it's, probably already going to happen in terms of allowing players to practice and train in small groups yeah that's likely scenario here Uh, Okay, uh, we are going to wrap this one up and we will be back with you midweek. We're I'm not sure exactly when Brad is doing his uh, Q&A, his Patreon Q&A for his draft rankings, but it will be after the draft rankings go out. So keep an eye out out for that over the next few days. Uh, We'd like to thank everyone for tuning in. All of our listeners, our Patreon uh, supporters, our name level sponsors, which are um, this one always gets me. The Septic Tank. Of that bitch, Carol Baskins, uh Arjun Shanker, Dead Panda Society, Brad Smith, Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin. Kayla Thompson, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Ryan Lewis, Langabeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam al Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Sean Levine, Alex Ott, Chris Frank, Connor Layton, and Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Kawas and Stan Olson. Uh, Thank you all.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna, WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.